Welcome to the commute home. This is Derek, and this is part three of Derek Joins a Band. <laughs> so here we are, part three finally. Parts one and two started when I was a little kid, moved all the way up through my high school years, and right now we're at a point where my last band that started in high school kind of fell apart. I'm in college, and I'm bandless right now, and we're just waiting to see what's next. So let's get this thing started. It's The Commute Home with Nick and Derek. This is Nick. From Chicago's northwest suburbs, our hosts chat about, well, you know, whatever two middle-aged men like to talk about. Talk about some movies. The workday is done. Time to grit your teeth, get through the traffic, and make The Commute Home. Hey, don't honk at me. Now, in the story, it's about 1999, December 1999. And I am bandless, but I'm still very much into music. Um, I get a call from a friend that I met from the club scene, and uh, he didn't have much of a bass rig, and he was doing a New Year's Eve 1999 house party, and he was wondering if he could borrow my bass rig. So I'm like... He wanted to borrow your rig for a Y2K party? Yes, he did, exactly. So, So yeah, I'm like, yeah, sure, he's a really nice guy. I really liked him. Uh, so I go, I, I load on my rig, uh, I get to, I get to meet, meet his band. I get to check out the rehearsal spot and like, and I, and these are all like people from one town over. So I, I, I haven't met any of these people before in my life besides the, the, the bass player that I knew. And, uh, yeah, I got to know these people and then I got to actually like, grab my bass and start jamming along with this band as well too, which then got me invited to this, uh, Y2K show, this, this new year's Eve, 1999 show. And, uh, yeah, so that was the start of something special. So if the world was going to end, you were going to go out with a bang. <laughs> Man, that night. So it was at this, at this guy's house. Uh, I think we had two kegs of beer there, uh, and we got raided by the cops. Every single <gasps> police officer in, uh, in uh, Crystal Lake raided that party. It was 36 police officers uh, raided that party. <laughs> oh, you fucking criminal. I know. I was 20 years old at the time, so underage drinking. Did you get busted or did you get away? I got busted. We, we, there was, oh, there was Derek. Like 50 of us that got busted. It was ridiculous. Oh. Oh. Did people try to run? Uh, the way they came, it was 36 cops. They literally like swarmed the house in like a, like a circle from every direction. Like that, like we, like we, it was like we were the only thing they had going on that night. Oh my god! You know your street cred with our audience just went through the roof. Oh god! I guess the story was that there was a, there was a, there was a dealer there that was dealing acid, and the cops had picked up these kids that uh, bought acid from this guy earlier that night, and then they they narked on him about where he was at. So we got all these cops there for 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 him for this dealer. Snitches get stitches. And by the way, this dealer, he was like 18 years old. He was a kid. So. It took, so 36 cops yep. to get an 18-year-old kid for dealing acid? Yeah. Oh, the suburbs. <laughs> I had been told that if you have more than, I, I, I have not verified this. Uh, the Google was not around back in 1999. But I was told that if you have more than 15 hits of acid, that's considered a class X felony. And that's like life in prison type stuff. This kid had like had, had like 50. So. Did you ever, this has nothing to do with your musical career, but did you ever find out if, if he went to jail? No one had seen this kid forever. And then like five years later, randomly I'm at a diner, I see this kid and I recognize him. And he recognizes me. He's like, you were at that party then? And I'm like, yeah, I heard you were in jail forever. He's like, no, no. So like he didn't know what happened to everyone else. I didn't know what happened to him. So we like kind of like we, we sat down at the, t- at the table together at this diner and, and talked for like, like an hour. You know, basically uh, his family was connected. So he got off pretty, uh. pretty easily. Uh, they, I'm, I don't want to say anything more than that. Uh, got it. But yeah, I, I got it. He, he spent about 18 hours in jail when they first arrested him, and that was it. And then a bunch of community service and fines, I imagine. 
I'm not even sure if he got that, to be honest. Uh, I, I, he's like, yeah, I got lucky. He's like, I, I mean, my parents had to call in a lot of favors for that, but uh, they, they got taken care of. And that really, he, said that, he said that was the, the, the event that changed his life around. So he did really learn from oh, it, good. Which, is, which is good. And I saw him. He, was like, he, looked, he looked like a preppy kid when I saw him that, you know, at the diner that night. It looked normal. So I think he was in college and everything. So, yeah, I, I, I believed him. But uh, what a crazy night. And then later on, he would go on to create Facebook. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Did you guys get to play that night? We got or, to play. Yeah, we, no? got, we got to play. Um, they, they did about an hour's worth of material. I hopped on stage and did like three songs with them. It was a good party. It was a very good party until the cops showed up and, uh, and all that. Did you guys make it till midnight before the fuzz showed up? Uh, yes. We made it till... Not long after, though, maybe twelve thirty one a.m. That, that's when they when they all swarmed. All right, good, 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 good. At least they didn't ruin that. Yeah, they, like it's clock strikes midnight, and all of a sudden they bust in the house. Happy New Year, motherfuckers! Get down on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I remember I remember people claiming that they only had champagne at the stroke of midnight. And that's all they drank when the cops showed up. I remember that excuse. <laughs> Liars. Yeah. Big time! Oh, oh my goodness! Okay, so you got to you got to get the music though, which is good. Yeah. Um, and you said that was the start of something, though. Yeah. So, so I, I met this whole world of new people, uh, the Crystal Lake folk. From there, I um, basically th- that's that's the genesis of my next band, and that's how I start up my next band, which was called Gone Too Far. Gone too far. Gone too far. Yeah. What's up? Dude, your band names are badass. You know, band names are a big deal, actually. Like, for, like in every band name that, that I've had that, we, that was actually like a good band name, we spent months trying to figure out band names. Um, it's hard to get a good band name. C- could you share with me really quick, like, two or three band names that people came up with that totally sucked? Voodoo Head. <laughs> That's not shit. <laughs> he just put it on blast right there. <laughs> you know what? We don't even need to go any further. We can stop right there. So, so you. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean that. So that was that was the name of, of my last band. We'll talk about them later. I was never a fan of that na- name, though. I tried hard to change that name. It did not change, though. Uh, we let's see. Uh, the band before that was I was in a cover band called undercover because we were so smart <laughs> um, there was a time where i was working on, on a project it was kind of linked with these guys actually from the from the gone too far band that was called pro fighter q pro fighter q yeah uh, uh apparently it was a name of a japanese program that was meant to like steal and rip Nintendo, uh, nes games so they wanted to name name us after that program, and then also kind of associated with this group was another side group that tried to start up that that was going to get called Notch Twenty Two, but never went anywhere. Notch Twenty Two. Notch Twenty Two. Yeah. And what does that stand for? I worked in a warehouse at that time, and and like everything had like these weird like uh, names in the warehouse. And but one of the parts I would have to pull at that warehouse, the, the name of the part was Notch Twenty Two. Now I was always like, huh, how'd they come up with that name? And it kind of reminds me of Catch Twenty Two. So I'm like, let's call a band that. That's literally where it came from. Huh. Name of a part that was used, I think, in the in the Banaka uh, aerosol spray valves. Huh. Interesting. I was really hoping that that was like you formed a bond with those people that you went to jail with, and it took twenty two days for you guys to get out, and you were putting notches on the wall, and and that's how it happened. Oh no! Only the dealer went to the, went to jail that night. Everyone else, we just got ticketed at the party. Okay, your street cred just went back down. <laughs> oh, dude! So 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 they made us drain the kegs uh, there because I think we had two kegs, and uh, like this one cop's like you. Points at me. Come here. 
I'm like, yeah. <laughs> they made me carry the kegs upstairs. And um, you're a big guy. I was. A, I've always been a big guy. And back then, I was probably in my prime. That was like, you know, benching 400 pounds, Derek. Uh, so uh, yeah. So, so they made, made me. And the entire time, I'm talking with the cops, and uh, I, I'm not belligerently drunk or anything like that. And I actually knew a couple of the cops from from my my other job. They they used to. I used to work for the park district, and they used to play basketball at the park district. Like they're like, hey, how you doing, Derek? Sorry about this. I'm like, eh, I get it. <laughs> You're like. Don't say my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, I just want to let you know. Back then, Derek, I think you would have been all right in jail, man. I think you would have been all right. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But uh, yeah, all, and all said and done, that was pretty funny. Like, I, I there were some rich kids at that party, and and when we all went to the judge uh, for the underage drinking charges all on the same day. Uh, one after another, other after another, a bunch of them lawyered up. And basically what happens is the ones that lawyered up like, worked out the best deals. So the court honored that same deal for everybody. Ooh. Yeah. So it, you know. it ended up being like a $70 fine and 20 hours of home community service. So you had to do community service for your parents. What the f- Flip is that? <laughs> Clean the bathroom, Derek? Okay. Uh, I tore down the swing set that was in our side yard. We had a, gotten a swing set when I was like six years old. That was just rotting to death. So I, the, the big chunk of my community service, my parents, was tearing that thing down and disposing of it. Oh, wow. It, uh, uh, newsflash, uh, words to live by uh, children out there listening to us. If you're going to get busted, get rusted with rich people. And have rich parents, yes. Yes. <laughs> if, if your parents aren't rich, leave them. Just leave them behind. Leave them behind. That's right. Blue collar does not work in this world. <laughs> no, they have to do regular community service. You know, if you got rich parents, you do home community service, yes. Uh, okay. So, so, so you you made some connections. Y two K, the world didn't end, and your 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 band life is a, a new. Yeah, gone too far, and, and like in in this band, like it is a very, very, very corn influenced band. I'm the boss. I'm like I'm like making most of the decisions in this band. Uh, once again, it's a trio, but it's kind of a weird trio. It's me and two guitar players. We could not find a drummer, so our drummer was a drum machine that, that we had bought. Your drummer was a drum machine? Yeah. Okay. So so we, we go through, and in this project, I was really concentrating on, I wanted to write original music, and I finally wanted to do an album after all these years. Now, that was really kind of the big push. So, so we go through, we write about 10 songs. Oh, oh, and this is back in the day where I think I'm a singer, by the way, too. Uh, so I, on this one, it's uh, me and one of the other guitar players is taking turns singing. And I say singing in quotation marks. It's really we were taking turns screaming. I despise all these lies. All I want is your demise. Okay, that, um, okay. <laughs> you seem shocked. So, yeah, well, kind of, yeah, but kind of not because of the, the music, but I don't know, there's like, I don't necessarily see you, Derek, as a crooner, so it's not really that surprising. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think you're like Teddy Pendergrass up there and shit. Tell me, hey, baby. Who the hell is that? Just say, like, say names that people know. Say, say Sinatra, dude. Uh, Who's I t- don't think you're, uh, <laughs> now I'm stuck on Teddy Pendergrass. I have no idea that is. Okay. <laughs> Barry White? Pick, okay, there, there we go. Yes, I am. No, not at all a, a Barry White. No. <laughs> He's a big somebody. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue on. So, so, so there's two screamers. Yep, yep. 
Uh, we go through and we write, I think, about 10 songs, 12 songs, something like that. And, you know, we're really set on recording. So we, we go and... Um, so I'm off at school. I'm at the University of Illinois at Chicago, and I meet a guy there that has a little home studio set up. And I was like, "Oh, I, you know, I always want to go into a studio, but studios are expensive. I mean, back then, like the going rate was like fifty bucks an hour, and I figured the minimum it would take to do an album would be like twenty hours if we just went fast, 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 fast. And I, we just we couldn't. We were we were college kids, and we were you know, local, you know, we were, we were kids. We didn't have that kind of money." So, so I find this friend that has a home recording studio and he offers to let us record with them. So we go through and we try and we do that. And that was my first time actually like recording. Um, and he had a decent setup. Like he had a room set up and he had a mixing board and he had back then like the hot recording setup for home studios, but they were called, um, ADATs, which it looks like, like they look like VHS cassette tapes. And you're basically recording music onto these, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. onto these VHS cassette tapes, and like each one, you could do eight channels, so you could you could slave them together to do like you know. So for us, we did sixteen channels of recording, basically. So let me ask you real quick because there was a little bit of time that I was on high school radio station. Okay. And I uh, for a little bit until I got kicked off for using the f word on air. Uh, you? Who would have? Yeah, who would have thunk it? Fuck no, uh, really? <laughs> yeah, man. Serious shit. I got a fucking F in that class because I got kicked <laughs> off the radio. Not just an F, a fucking F. <laughs> a fucking F. That's right. I meant it. <laughs> but the, the ADAC, you when you talk about the ADAC, that's what that they use, right? That's what we used to use to play the music. Uh, yeah, because that was a digital format, and that was like the highest quality format out there at the time. Yep. Yeah, because I just remember inserting them in and almost like a cross between an eight track and something else. Yeah, and the machines were finicky too. Like, like, like uh, I remember like there's like there's like a flywheel on them that has to get calibrated every like six months to a year, and that flywheel calibration can be like anywhere between like two to four hundred dollars. It was interesting, but that experience did not go well. I mean, we, we got recordings and we went through and we spent some time mixing them and mixing them down, and the final product just did not turn out well uh because it's hard it's it's really hard to make an album and make it sound good on a cd player that's in your house in your car in your boombox, wherever that's it, uh there's a very specific way of doing it and you have to do things a very certain way in order to sound good and we had no idea about that we had no idea how to do that so when it was all said and done you were do you feel like you wasted your time or you felt like you were you were happy you did it or do you feel like, well, at least you learned something out of it? We learned something from it, so we were happy about that. Uh, but but none of us were happy with the results and it wasn't something we could distribute. I'm sorry, it wasn't something we could distribute or uh, go anywhere with. So now right around this time, Pro Tools becomes commercially available to people like, like us. Uh, Pro Tools was like, like the first popular uh, computer-based recording setup where everything was done on the computer, everything was digital. And for basically, all you needed was a good computer and the Pro Tools setup, and you would have essentially the same setup that like the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and all the big acts at that time were using. And so that was the first time in like human history that a home recording studio had the same power as a major recording studio. Wow. So and 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 that version of, of Pro Tools, I think that came out was like seven hundred bucks. See, it was you need like seven hundred bucks for the, for the Pro Tools and like another eight hundred bucks for for the computer to run it. So quite an investment. Quite uh, can can it's cheaper than recording one album at at a, at, at a local studio. That's that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So so I'm I, I'm scared to death of it. I'm like, yeah, it's out there. But uh, no, I, I I don't think we can. I don't think we can handle this. I don't think we we should spend the money. I don't think we can do this. One of my guitar players goes out and just buys Pro Tools. He's like, "All right, I bought I bought Pro Tools, so you buy the computer." I'm like, "Oh, he cornered me. He cornered me. Kind of made me do it." And yeah, you didn't have a choice at that point. I didn't have a choice, and I'm so glad that he did it in hindsight. So I go and and I find a computer. We get the setup going. And uh, it's like the very end of summer. It's like August. We have we have just a couple of weeks before everyone starts going back to school and all that. So we're trying to get this done over summer break. 
And so like we quickly go through and record that album. Uh, had a blast recording it. Had an absolute because we did it all in his basement, and we just had a lot of fun. Just uh, you know, drinking Coors Light, eating Taco Bell, watching Girls Gone Wild in a continuous loop, and recording this album. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making that up. That's what we did every single day. Uh, the same Girls Gone Wild videos. What's that? Did you watch the same ones or new ones? I think every we had, day? I think we had two that we would just go back and forth and watch continuously. Oh, <laughs> I, and like we were doing it like as a statement almost. We're like, yep, that's what we're gonna do. It's gonna be on at all times, no matter what. <laughs> that's our thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we go through and like we record like everything, you know, drum machines, samples, guitars, bass, in like a week. And then we record all the all the other vocals in like another week, and then finally we get down to like to mixing and mastering. And by this time, school started up. We've all kind of we're busy on school, so I'm the guy that's doing all the mixing and mastering for the album. And it's hard. It is. It's the hardest thing I had ever done before. Trying to get something that sounded good on your CD player, and I spent about a good month of doing it and I'm like and I'm like I would try it this way nope didn't work try it that way nope didn't work try it this way nope didn't work over and over and over and over and over and finally I kind of got an idea I tried something I'm like boom I got it and it was lightning in a bottle and I, and it just it worked and I'm like oh my god we got it we had a CD that sounded pretty darn good for something that we did all by ourselves and then the band fell apart oh get the fuck out of here are you serious yep guess what happened Girl. Close, but no. Boy? <laughs> no. <laughs> One of the guitar players, he had shifted his focus. All he really wanted to do going forward was play like fish in this kind of hippie music. And uh, Get the hell out of here. Are you serious? And he, he got really big. He, he, got, he got hard, hard into, into a lot of drugs, actually, uh, at that point. Yeah. And the band. And at this point in your life, you're like, I hope all fish die. <laughs> you know, I was kind of a fan of that music too. I wasn't a hardcore fan, but I liked them. But but when this happened, I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me! And that's where I kind of like, that's it. I'm done. I'm freaking done. I am done with music and bands. So let's rewind for just a second. Mm-hmm. How much did it cost you? You think to make that album versus? the the experiment in the in the studio uh so you know all together like i my my guitar player spent like 700 bucks on pro tools i spent about 800 bucks on the computer and then basically everything else we we had so overall you know cash investment was like 1500 bucks what really was the investment though was the time a lot of time got invested in that album a lot of my time got invested in that album yeah, because I know you spend a, quite a bit of time trying to make me sound good, so I can only imagine somebody else. <laughs> but, so many, but, so but many how words. Does, so many words to say right yeah, now. I don't know where to start. Yeah, keep them to yourself, <laughs> or you're going to have to edit them out. Um, you're totally getting auto-tuned. <laughs> uh, so, so, but you make the album, though. Like, what is it? Really, as quick as you can, like, what does that look like? Do you start, like, pressing CDs? Or because the band fell apart so quick, you just didn't do nothing with, with the album once it was made? I literally had the final mix of, of, of the album uh, completed we, uh, where I'm, everyone's like, yes, this sounds good. This, this version really sounds good, Derek. I got that. We had the, we had the album artwork done. El- album artwork looked really good. It was all CG uh, based, which was kind of new back then. We, were, we just we knew a graphic designer that did it, and um, that week, that week is the week the band fell apart. So like I had catalogs and and I had pricing all lined up to get CDs uh, printed and, and all that because uh, you know there was no iTunes back then or anything like that. So we're we're gonna go out. We're, we're gonna get like three hundred CDs made, and it all fell apart before we we. So not a single. You know, real sellable CD was produced. Oh man, and, and like you said, that was like that was the straw that broke the camel's back in your eyes. Mm-hmm. Done completely. It, it happened two times in a row. You know, downfall and gone, gone too far. It, it, it happened with both. So I'm like, I am done with this stuff. 
how long did it take you to, like, you know, get over that and kind of get back on the horse, if you will? Yeah, so years later, um, I, I'm gra- I graduated college. I've got my, my, my job. I've got a brand new boss that's um, – I'm trying to connect with my new boss because we, we're not quite lining up. Like, just different personalities uh, and and all that. And then I got this this new CEO, and the CEO is like, well, we've got so many people in this company that are, you know, past musicians. We should start a company band. Oh, fuck no. And a bunch of guys are like, are like yeah, yeah, we should start a band. And uh, they're like, hey, I know a guy that plays bass guitar, Derek. So... <laughs> First, my boss comes and, and, and asks me to do it. I'm like, no, not interested. Then, like, our director of facilities comes and asks, because he's a singer. And I'm like, no, nah, not interested. Then our VP of sales comes, who's the guitar player, and he asks. And I'm like, nope, not interested. This guy's the VP of sales. This man harassed me like a used car salesman until I said yes. Oh man! And the ex- did you say yes because you wanted to do it, or was it just to shut him up? It was to shut him up, and it, it was to bond with my boss because my boss was the keyboardist in the band. Man, I, like I, I did something with the people I work with too. We we did a, a softball team, Derek. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was nothing like what you did, man. Oh my! And you tried to avoid it, though. It sounds like you really, really, like got drugged into this kicking and screaming, and, and and it was not something you you necessarily wanted to do. You were you were done with your music days, if you will. I was done, and the music they wanted to play was not my thing. Oh shit! Like Phil Collins stuff. Uh, like like uh, so so the whole. So the shtick with a cover band like this is different. This kind of cover band, and the name was Undercover, like I said earlier, every single song we wanted people dancing. So we're trying to pick songs that will make people dance. So uh, so we were doing anything from um, – give me one second. I, I actually I actually have a, have a play, playlist on my computer that has every single b- song this band played live. Macarena? No. It was uh, old, old music. Like I don't think we did anything that recent. Okay, good. So we did everything, literally, from ACDC to ZZ Top, B-52s, The Beatles, Big and Rich, Black Crows, The Blues Brothers, Brad Paisley. Got a lot of Bs. Wow. Bruce Springsteen, Brian Adams, Chubby Checker, The Eagles, Fleetwood Mac. A lot of Fleetwood Mac. Is there any evidence of you doing Love Shack? Uh, <laughs> it still exists. You know what? Love Shack was one of our favorite songs to do, actually, because I didn't even notice it Like growing up hearing the song. It's got a really cool bass line. I do like the bass line of that tune. And that, that, one, that one we played almost every single show because it always went over really well with the fans. Yeah, people love that song. Yeah, they do. Just like Sweet Caroline, you know, we play that every time and... All that kind, of, all that kind of stuff. So undercover, undercover, the cover band that wants to get people up out their seats. Yeah. So very first show we do together. So let me let me just say, it's me, the engineer, the director of engineering on keyboards, VP of sales on guitar, director of facilities on vocals, director of facilities, like best friend uh, on drums. And our VP of sales niece as a second singer. So a very corporate band. The very first thing that we we played was like a, a corporate get together where like all the execs got together for like a cocktail hour and we played for like an hour. Huge, huge hit. All the execs were just like, were buzzing about our, our performance. I'm like, oh god. And then we start. <laughs> and then and then you know this new CEO he wants to get more involved with the community, so he starts doing the we start. We started an Alzheimer's committee, and we started doing fundraisers to raise money for Alzheimer's and do walkathons for Alzheimer's, and we start planning like events at bars to raise money for for Alzheimer's. And this, and our band has to play all these events. You're like a philanthropist. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of praise for 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 doing that, and a lot of thank yous for doing that. And, uh, you know, sometimes they offered me money and I would just donate it back to the cause and they just said, thank you. I did not do that for the cause whatsoever. 
I did it because I kind of felt like I had to do it, to be honest. Because uh, I was just kind of because sh- it came from work, right? Yeah, exactly. But man, it's it's hard. I've never done. It's a new kind of band for me because we played fifty songs a night. Whoa, man! We played fifty songs, and, and you know, so like over three hours of music every night. We, we would do three sets. Each set was like fifteen, sixteen songs, something like that. Maybe eighteen songs. And uh, yes, it, it, I've never played that many that much music in, in a night. I've never been on stage for that long before. It's it's different, man. Like I get changes what kind of instrument that I, that I was going to play live because of the weight, because like the weight of my instrument's almost like a big deal now. Um, and and me, I can't remember that many songs. I can't remember how to play fifty songs, and uh, so I would have to bring like like uh, the the music up on a music stand for me to like to to look at when I played. And I did my best not to stare at the music the entire night, but I'd have to glance over at it, you know, once or twice a song. Holy shit, man! Like, are you happy at all during this situation? <sighs> it was weird. It was really weird. I mean, it's just like, like, and like every show, 50 songs. The most we ever got, I think, was three rehearsals. We would usually only do one or two rehearsals for each show. And I remember being like, oh, we're a bunch of pros. We're going to be able to do two rehearsals and do 50 songs. And after the first show, I'm like, yeah, these were a bunch of pros. We, we, We had two rehearsals and we did 50 songs. This is ridiculous. So how long did Undercover and, like, this grueling thing, because you're also working, right? And you're, like, climbing your way up the ladder. You're, you're like, damn near, are you running the engineering department at this time? I, I, start, I, I start, I take over as manager of the engineering department, like, a year at, or a year or two after this started, I think. It, it's, around, it's around that time, yeah. Does this band help you? Do you feel like it helped you get that manager position? No, I don't. In hindsight, it was just a lot of work. Um, you know, the other thing too is like, you know, I thought I was a pretty good bass player walking into this this band. Uh, coming out of this band, I feel like a terrible bass player because this kind of music that we were playing, it's a different style of bass playing that I'd, I'd never done before. And uh, there, there's a lot of stuff out there that I just I'd never done. I wasn't good at it, and it took me a long time to learn, and I learned it very slowly. Uh, it's tough. It really, I mean, I literally would go home like before these shows and you know practice for four hours a night, seven days a week, and I, I would literally play till my fingers bled every night. It was horrible. I was just about to ask you if you, if you brought the pick back out, or are you still going with your fingers? Fingers. I, th- I think I didn't use the pick once during this band. Wow. Yeah, the, the left hand is the one that bleeds more than the right, which is which I can't use a pick. That the the the, the hand that you use to fret the the fingerboard is what is the one that okay. usually bleeds more. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like walking into Walmart to get bread, and I'm sitting here like air guitaring because I'm like left hand, left hand, and this lady's looking at me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> so it's all for the show, people. <laughs> So we end up doing like one Alzheimer's event a year, and then uh, like we played the company Christmas party one year, which ended up being my best paying gig of all time. You know, corporate really? corporate gigs, man. Corporate gigs pay. I'll tell you, we 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 each got two hundred dollars, a a room at the hotel paid for because we were playing at a hotel, and open bar that night. That is by far my, my best paying gig of all time. Wow. So, and then after that, we were doing these Alzheimer's events uh, at this at this one bar that we kept on doing them at. The bar <laughs> ended up hiring us as like a house band, and I'm like, oh man, I cannot get away from this band. I was just this is never going to end. So like we signed a contract for like playing every other month for like six months, and uh, so here's the thing: we're doing 50 songs a night, and like the, the guys that were in. They're in the band. They always want to have new music every show that we do because we're playing to the same people over and over and over. Basically, our audience is our coworkers, which was weird, really weird. Uh, um, so like every show, we're trying to like bring in like five or two new, or five or ten new songs that no one's heard before from from the band. So like every single show, I, I had to take time out to learn new songs, and uh, it never got easy. It never ever got easy. Were you sleeping at all during this time? 
like, because I'm thinking, like, you go and you're working, and then you're, you're, band, you're practicing, you're rehearsing, you're learning new songs. Like, are you sleeping, like, three hours a night? You know, it was, so, I mean, what would happen is, like, we would get, like, a, we would argue about the set list, and then finally, like, two weeks before the show, we get the set list put together. Then for, like, two weeks, I'm spending about four hours a night. So, I, you know, I work all day, have dinner, rehearse, sleep, you know, and, and do it over and over and over for two weeks. And then I wouldn't, th- wouldn't have to think about it for the next two months, and then it happened all over again. Oh, so it, was, it came in cycles then. Ex- exactly. Okay. So so that, w- that went on and on and on. And finally, after that contract wore out, I'm like, I'm done. I am done. So I stepped away from the band, and because I stepped away, it fell apart. Thank God. So how was that, how was that breakup, though, like... Because like you didn't really specifically want to go into this, then you you know you do it anyway, and then you're like you're finally say I'm done with this. Like, were people did they have animosity towards you, especially if the band broke up afterwards? No, not at all. I mean, because I mean during the course of the time we had changed the we had changed our female vocalist two or three times. We had changed our lead guitar player once or twice. And our keyboardist, my boss, was was out the door to to the new company that he started. So, oh, okay. So with timing and everything, it worked out pretty well. Good, 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 good. And it's not like I, I, the band had to end because I left. You know, I wasn't. I was just a member of the band. I wasn't like the band leader. They could have replaced me with someone else and kept going, but either they couldn't or they didn't. So that was that. Yeah, that, that that's what. But so, it, but in retrospect, though, it doesn't sound like it was. I mean, yeah, it sounds like it was hard at the time and and everything like that. But it sounds like it was an amicable, amicable split, and you weren't like ostracized or anything like that for leaving. Like the time came, you guys did it, and then the time went away. Yeah, unlike my last bands, when I left the band, I fulfilled my commitments before I left. <laughs> right. And you didn't leave for fish, right? No, I did not. I did not. That's good. So after that, they did kind of light my music bug a little bit. So I, I you know, I was, I kind of, uh, the, the studio, I bought all my guitar players uh, half that he had bought. So I had the studio on all myself. I had upgraded it. Virtual instruments were becoming more of a thing, so I could have like a virtual drummer that sounded like a real drummer now. So I started writing mm-hmm. and doing my own music, and have, and it's a hobby. At this point, it's a hobby, and I'm having fun with it. And you know, I, I would sit down every, every once in a while and just kind of play around, and, and that's that, that was my relationship with music for a little while. So, so this band kind of lit the fire, though. It, it lit the fire again. Not, not, didn't lit a, light a fire to to release an album. Didn't light a fire to uh, play shows. It just lit a fire to um, make music again, basically. That's good, though. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a good hobby to have, I think. Good. So a few years go by, and then out of the woodwork, that that guitar player that quit gone too far. He asked me if I want to join his new band. I, I, this has been like we were in that band together like 15 years beforehand. I, I, by the, at this point in the, my, in the story, I'm like in my what my, my, my mid 30s, I think. Wait, so the guitar player that went down the fish road, yeah, the second one, not the first one, yeah, came back to you and asked you if you wanted to join his band. Yep, yep. Interesting. So, and you said no. <laughs> that's the Derek I know. Yep, I'm like I want nothing to do with live musicians. Mus- you know, the problem with the music business is it's full of musicians. I'm not interested. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, you got a drummer? You got a, you got a, a singer? He's like, yeah, I got a drummer and a singer put together. I, I got a whole full band we're putting together. And I'm like, you know, and by this point, by the way, he, you know, he kind of like hit rock bottom for a while and then he came back up since then. So he's, he doesn't do drugs anymore. He's got a good stable job. So no, I have none of those worries with him anymore. But um, so I'm like, no, it's like, well, come over to, to our rehearsal. And I'm like, okay, I'll come over to one rehearsal and see what it's like. So I, I go over to the first rehearsal. It's weird. Like we're doing it in his living room with dogs running around and the drummer's not even there. And it's just like, you know, me, the guitar player, and the singer. And I hear the songs that they're working on. I'm like, oh, 
this is different. This, that's, I, this is not what, what they're playing on the radio these days. This is different. I was kind of intrigued. We do the second rehearsal, and this is at the drummer's place. And it's like, and he, we're doing it in his parents' basement. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I'm a teenager again. I'm jamming in this guy's <laughs> parents' basement. And his parents are upstairs, like, watching. His dad was upstairs watching the History Channel, watching some documentary on World War II while we're rehearsing. I'm like, this is bizarre. Is you like rewind twenty years of your life? Yeah, and uh, but I'm but I'm jamming with these guys, and they, they the the bug, yeah, they, they light the fire. Like the drummer can play, the guitar player can play, the singer's got a, you know, he, he's done music videos, and he, he's got a really good sound. I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll join this band. I'm, I'm I get excited, but I'm like, I'm not jamming in someone's parents' basement. So I I bring them over to my house and and start uh, rehearsing in my basement, and oh god, there we there we went from there. Derek gets all obsessed with music once again. Cue the girls going wild. <laughs> like I was planning on finishing my basement that year. I had the money saved up. This band took over half my basement. Half. And uh, we, we start writing songs. We learn a few covers. We, and then we start playing shows pretty quickly. And then this. Oh, God. That, that band. That, oh, that band. I was never that big of a drinker. I mean, I drank Friday nights and I drank Saturday nights, and I would go out and I, and I and I would drink and I and I, I would tie one on, but man, oh. tie one on. What does that mean? Eh, it's an expression I've always heard. Oh, okay, yeah. we'll go with it. Okay, but <laughs> don't don't question it, man. Just go with it. All right, all right. But uh, I'm gonna have to look that up now after the podcast. <laughs> it probably means something completely other than what than what I think it means. Um, Maybe it's a fishing reference, but uh, man, so these these guys drink. They really and they drink often. They drink in plenty, and I'm and I never really like drank that much. Whenever I was like writing music or rehearsing or anything like that, I, I just for me the two didn't go together because like you know I'm trying to per- perfect my craft, so I shouldn't be drinking right. while I'm trying to perfect my craft. And then you know, guy in the band is just like, well, when we're out playing shows and all that, we're gonna be drinking at the shows, so I need to get used to you know playing while i got some drinks in me and, and being able to play well and i'm like huh you've actually got a point because yes we will be drinking at these shows so we should get used to drinking or playing while we have alcohol in our system and oh god so uh, okay you're in your 30s yeah and the logic behind drinking more is to be able to drink while playing no drink while you rehearse but in, but drink while you rehearse so that you can drink during gigs and perform well. Yes. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that like this logic, I was understanding how this because this sounds more like twenty one, twenty two year olds than people in their mid thirties. <laughs> uh, strangely enough, I thought he had a point. And I'm like, yeah, he, I'm like, God, he's right. Because usually if I do have a couple of drinks in me, I cannot play. While him, he, he can drink quite a bit and he plays very well. It's like he's exercised that, that muscle. So maybe that's what I have to do. So, oh, my God, man. We would rehearse two or three times a week because we just generally enjoyed rehearsing. And then we, then we would hang out together on the weekends. Oh, I drank so much during that time. So much. And what is this doing to your body? nothing i'm actually like people at work are are like just amazed because because they'll be like so we watching any tv last night i'm like no i was out drinking until 2 a.m why what was what was on they're like you're out drinking until 2 a.m on a tuesday i'm like yeah they're like it's nine o'clock in the morning and you seem fine i'm like yeah 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 coffee and water it's all it takes it, it, so and you're like i'm a rock star man yeah, I really, that was, I was finally kind of living the, the rock star life at that point, yeah. Uh. You know, I, I, and, and you haven't named this band yet. This band, so, <laughs> this band was called Voodoo Head. <laughs> I did not name this band. I tried very, there it is. <laughs> I tried very hard to change the name of this band, but I, but I was vetoed at every attempt. Um, <laughs> so... The guitar player and the singer originally did a little project together years ago. That was called Voodoo Head. So they wanted to keep that going. Actually, that was called Voodoo Head Music Project. After I bitched and moaned for months, I got them to, to remove 
music project from the name. Okay, okay. I, yeah, because I, I vaguely remember it being music project, and then it was just voodoo. Yeah, I, I fought hard to get rid of that. There, there was just a big difference of, of opinion on that. All right, because this is the band that I know, Derek, right? This is the band that like I've actually seen you play in uh, once, right? I was supportive. Uh, I have the CD still with all the autographs and everything like that. So uh, wh- how does it, you guys went from like rehearsing and drinking and everything, like wh- at what point did you guys like say, we're ready for a gig then? Pretty fast. Uh, uh, our drummer likes to play live. He's one of those that playing live is like part of his DNA. He loves that rush from doing it. So it was maybe three months from 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 when we first started rehearsing to our first show. It wasn't long. Well, no, it's not true. Maybe it was because we did write an entire album's worth of material, basically. Then we started playing. So you're asking a good question. Maybe it was like six months now that I think about it. So yeah, so we start recording, uh, we start uh, playing out pretty quickly. Uh, but then me, I still got that thing in my bucket list. I still want to come out with an album. And more specifically, th- th- that that kind of requirements changed. I wanted to come out with an album and I wanted it to be on iTunes. Oh, okay. So, so we're going, we're playing a lot of shows in the area. Uh, we're playing out, I'd say every, every eight weeks probably. Um, here and there and it, things are going okay uh of course the girls are hanging out around and uh you know of course i, I, I get in, in a relationship pretty quickly so things are fun things are hunky-dory then we start recording that album and oh oh dude it was it was bad it was by the time we got got to recording the album i'm just like oh i, I kind of figured out that i really wasn't into the music that we were making um really yeah like it hit me kind of late i'm like yeah this isn't my cup of tea i think i actually what was it about the music it's very it was very it wasn't my style i I, i'm i'm very contemporary and i'm always very interested in the current state of music and what's going on currently in music and that's why i'm always discovering new artists and discovering new albums that's the way i am this music it was uh it was very 80 sounding to me and it, it, oh, and it just, it just, just, it did not have that modern style that I was looking for, and like everyone in the band besides myself was trying to push themselves musically. It was the guitar player was trying to play great guitar parts, the drummer was trying to do great drumming, uh, the singer was trying to like push his voice and, and sing in a range that he's not used to, and really trying to hit those high notes. And I'm like, oh, it's it's turning into. They were doing the musician thing. And they were kind of writing music for musicians, in my opinion, and not writing music for the general public. I don't know. Does that equivalent to like it was too artsy, or am I am I looking at this wrong? You could say it. When you 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 could say it. I mean, it wasn't progressive in terms like we were trying to like do something brand new musically. We we were that's what I would call artsy. We were trying to push boundaries or anything like that. It was just we were just trying for every song, like they were trying to write like the greatest guitar part ever nonstop with the greatest drum line ever with like, you know, that this vocals that really hit the high notes. And it was, uh, it, I, I call it overplaying the band. I thought would overplayed. Okay. That makes sense to me. So, but again, it was a lot of fun while we were doing it. They're a great group of guys, just the music. Like once we started recording it, I'm like, Oh, I am not into this. And we're not as good as, as I thought we were. Um, what, what does that feel like in your head? I, like, I wanted to quit. You're doing this. Oh, you just wanted to quit? I, I, did, I didn't want to finish the album. I wanted to quit. Did you talk to the band about that? Or no, is it something I, you internalized? I, inter- my, I, 
some people like in my circle knew about it, but the band didn't. My girlfriend uh, talked me out of quitting. Actually, she she's like, "You put a lot of work into this. You put a lot of work into this album. Uh, <laughs> you know, you should finish this up, get that album released, and then after the album's released, then quit." And I'm like, "Ah, she's got a good point." So yeah, that is that is very good advice. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm 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 glad she gave me that advice. So we went to record the album. Recording went awful. <laughs> <laughs> drums was drums was uh went, went really well bass guitar uh, the drummer put such a pr- good performance together i wanted to put a really good bass performance in to, to, to match him so i spent a long time doing bass uh guitar player he knocked out his stuff in, in really good time uh, but vocals oh we spent like a month five days a week for a month doing vocals it was oh it was oh really wanted to quit it was a lot of work what was it about the vocals that was making it so hard? <sighs> or was it multiple things? It, it, it's because it's the vocalist, you know, tried to push himself so much on the songs, basically. Okay. And, and trying okay. to create the, the perfect version of that for recording was what, what was so hard. So it wasn't like you guys as a band saying, hey, man, you need to, like, you missed this here. Or you, you need to do this here. It was more the vocalist himself. I felt for, yeah, I felt pretty dumb actually. Like, like he'd sing a part and be like, "Was that right?" I'm like, "I don't know. Was it right?" Be like, "I, I don't know. Does that sound right?" <laughs> I'm like, uh, "I don't know, man. I'm I, I'm not sure what you're doing here." Uh, you know, like I never like I never wrote vocals before in terms of like critiquing how someone sang. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm like, I, I, you know, I, I like when Christina Aguilera is you know, singing her stuff and she's sitting these high notes and she stops and goes, "Was that right?" I don't know. And it was kind of like that, you know? Well, that's because it, it's not what you do, right? Like, I, yeah, I, I completely understand, like, your perspective from it. It's like, I, I don't know what you're trying to do. You got to do. We've had this conversation before, you and I. You're like, I can't worry about you. I got to worry about me. And it's like, that makes complete sense to me. Right. So, right. yeah, I, I can understand that 100%. Like, the drums I get, I, I can listen to his performance and tell him, you know, if, it, if he played a beat correctly or not. Guitars I get, bass I get. But vocals, it's something I never really studied. I never really studied, you know, what goes into writing good vocals and, and how, what the, what the correct performance is supposed to be on vocals. Right, because you're concentrated on the instruments. Yeah, always. Always on instrumentation. Yep. So, and then, uh, oh, oh, and and then, like, one of the members of the band insisted that we use a guy to do the final mixing and mastering on the album. And um, uh, and uh, it was like a guy had a lot of experience, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Are, are we sure this is the right guy? He's like, oh, no, this guy's really good. He'd done these other albums from for me, but the other albums that he did were not, like, hard rock heavy metal albums. So we sent him the stuff. We sp- we spent a couple thousand dollars on on this guy. I think to him. it was mo- it was good money for him to do it, and the results were not great from him uh, because he he never worked worked in that genre before. So I had to go through and redo a lot of the work that he did, and then the album turned out okay, not great, not bad, but okay. It, I, it was acceptable in my opinion. So this is your first album, my, right? This yeah. is the the bucket list. And, you know, this is like you're, you're checking that off and you're saying, I always wanted to do this. Now I've done it. Yep. How do you feel, though? How do you feel after this album is complete? Pretty good. You know, because like, like I said, the, I thought the album was acceptable. So and, 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 I, and I was happy with it. You know, I got, I got played on the radio station. Um, uh, Will Rock uh, played one of our songs uh, one day. So, you know, that was cool. Uh, seeing it up on iTunes was cool. Uh, so yeah, so I, I was able to to get that done, and uh, we got CDs ma- made up and uh, dropped money. You know, like we had like five hundred CDs printed, so we got we had gotten that done. So yeah, overall, it's it's kind of like I felt like I accomplished something that I should have done fifteen years before. So that was good. Okay. And then, how long after the album did you like? Did you once you completed the album, did you still have the mindset like? I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So the, 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 the what I did was I, I did, I did two shows to kind of support the album and then I was done. And what was everybody's reaction? Um, 
when I was really nervous about telling the guys about it, but I told them about it. They're like, oh, I'm like, oh, okay. I kind of told them that I got to the point where it wasn't fun anymore and it was turning into work, which was true. It was. Uh, mm-hmm. and they, and they were, they were cool about it. They, they all accepted it. And, uh, and I, I guess that there was talk about them keeping the band going, um, for like a week or two with an, with another bass player. Uh, but nah, right away that it's like, nope, we're done. And they all went their separate ways after that. So like, again, a lot of reoccurring themes in my life, you know, that, you know, I leave the band and it all falls apart. Do you think sometimes with bands, Derek, in your experience, that maybe people get to that point where it's like uh, you put so much effort and so much time into it that maybe secretly, you know, band members are just waiting for one person to have the balls to quit so that everybody else can go on to do something else. Do you I, ever feel like that? You know, after I did that, uh, one of the band members pulled me aside and thanked me a couple weeks later for doing it. Because they, 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 they claimed that's how they were feeling, too. Huh. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so, and then, so that was the last band you were in. Yes it yes it is, yeah. Do you miss it? Um Yeah, you know, I don't miss it, but when I look back on my life, I'm it seems like I'm the happiest when I'm in a band. So it's it's kind of a weird paradox that I, I think about. Do you think it's your happiest this is I'm gonna put on my psychology hat real quick. All right. <laughs> Do you think it's that you're happiest when you're in the band? Or do you feel like you're happiest when you're creating? Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm such an artiste, man. I'm such a tortured artiste. It's like, I when I'm when I'm writing music, like everything I write, it sucks. It's not good enough. I hate it, but I have to keep going. You know, like like you know, like, you know how like you see in movies, like, like like painters are like that. Yeah, that's how I am writing music. It's like I hate it, and everything I do sucks. But like I have to do it, and I love it. It's so weird. But wouldn't you say though that like you've been like that in your career as well, though, in creating devices and the things that you've you've helped do or you've done uh, solitarily, uh, if that's even a word, but by yourself, it, it like at work, because I at, like based on the Derek that I know, like. You, you've easily been like, I got to figure out this code. I got to do this code. I got to get this done. And, and then like there's, I can't stop until this is done. So I, I would say that that's kind of your art as well. Kind, yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, I write code. And, and, write, and there, there are a lot of similarities between writing code and, and making music. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, interesting information. There is a correlation between programmers and musicians. Uh, a lot, really? a lot of programmers are, are were actually musicians as kids, because as kids learning how to read music, they learn how to take these abstract symbols on on a page, and learn that that means something. You know, they look they they look at a note on the page and they say, okay, I'm supposed to pay, play a G and it's supposed to be a whole note. That same that same process is the same process as as writing code, where this variable on the screen means something different than what it looks like. So yeah, they've actually done studies. A lot of uh, musicians make good programmers. That makes complete sense to me. Yeah, complete sense. Which is another reason why it's so important, to, if you can, to get your kids involved with music, because it does lead to other things. Other doors open for them. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, there there are similarities between my work and uh, and me me writing music. Absolutely. But I don't know. Work work never made me happy, though. Work sucks. I just do it to get paid. <laughs> I'm never a guy that's like, woohoo, I can't wait to go. Well, no, that's not true. Sometimes I do enjoy work. There you go, man. Yeah. Sometimes. It's life. It's got highs and lows, you know? Yep, exactly. So do you ever see you going back? 
Maybe. Creating a band again. Maybe. Okay. What's weird, man, though, is like I'm damn near 40. Uh, you know, less and less hair on my head every year. And I'm thinking, uh, I can't keep... Amen to that. If I want to write... Like, it would just be weird for me to keep on writing like contemporary music and playing live. Uh, I'm thinking, God, if I if I want to keep on writing music or if I want to keep on want to playing shows and all that, I got to start doing the cover band stuff again. Uh which you know, it's not a bad life. It's it's not like what I exactly the thing that I go after, but that's that's kind of more the norm for for you know old fat guys. Yeah, I I can't help you there, man. Like the podcast is all I got. That that, that my mouth is the only talent <laughs> I have. So uh, I I do, man. I hope I hope that you go back to it at some point, man. And and you're like. I don't know. You like you go out like fucking John Elway style, man. Like you, you, you just you you go back. You complete something, and you're like, this is exactly what I wanted it to be. And, and then like you, you feel like you can. You're done. Like you don't owe it to yourself. You don't owe it to you. The, like the desire. Like you did exactly what you wanted to do. I, I hope that uh, at some point you get that. Yeah, we'll see. I yeah, I don't know. It, 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 that's a part of my life I haven't quite figured out about myself. Um, what I'm trying to do, you know what? I, I mean, this podcast is a good out, a good outlet. And me like writing like these little silly little songs that I do for like the intro and the outro and the little sound effects things that I, I, I do uh, here and there. That's been a lot of fun, and uh, that's kind of filling that that music that musician void for me. So that, that's been good. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that, because this podcast is fucking awesome. <laughs> I don't have to bleep tell out, all your friends. I don't have to bleep out all your f's again, do I? No, no, not no. We see. I told you I'd go one thing, and I would try to make sure that it's not like every other word. In the in the the following podcast, I think I've done all right. Yep, yep. I think I've done okay. Yep. So. Oh, by the way, the other bucket list thing that I got to do with uh, Voodoo Head, the last band, was I got to actually open up for some national touring groups, and uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, uh, where did you get to do that at? Same place that you saw me at at a Penny Road Pub, but there were some na- there were some national guys doing um, tours uh, that came through. One of them was Saving Abel. They had a big hit like 10 years beforehand, uh, but, they're, but they're still kind of touring off that success that they had before. And then another one was kind of an up-and-coming group called uh, Three Years Hollow. They were phenomenal live. I'm really proud to say that I got to open up for them because they were really good. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. So, do you have any parting parting thoughts for the uh, Derek joins a band? No, you know it's uh, you know uh, hobbies are a good thing. Uh, that's kind of where I started and where I am. I, I know that uh, making music and bands and all that will always be a part of me in one way or another. You know, I still have my studio set up, and that's what I do to do this podcast. And like I said, write all the music for the podcast, and that's good. You know, will I go heavy into music again, or, or will I? I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. How about you? You got any last questions or comments or anything for me? No, I, I think um, I would just say like one of the coolest things for me is like I did get to go. I did go to Penny Road Pub, and uh, you know, you know me, and like uh, bars and and stuff like that. And they're not really my scene, mm-hmm. but I got to tell you, I got to tell you, man, like. The invite to go see you play and then, like, seeing somebody that I know up on a stage, like, performing musically and just, like, the the people in the audience and everything like that. And then, uh, not to get too sentimental, but, like, seeing your parents, like, supporting you like that and everything. Like, that was one of the 
most awesome experiences that that I've had, and I just you know I'm glad that I got to see uh, something like that, man. So I like I said before, I do hope that it's something that you know you decide to to go back and do again at some point. Um, <laughs> you just reminded me of something though. That's that's uh, do you mind if I bring it up real quick? No, go ahead. You know, there's there's a reason why bad bad bands happen. <laughs> Have you ever thought about this? About how like you see a band or you hear a band, they're so bad, and you can't understand why why they're doing it, why they're making music. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some that I'm like, this is horrible. You know, it, it's weird being in a band. That, that's the other thing too is that you know you're on stage and you're doing your thing, and then you get off stage and everyone cheers for you, and like your friends and your family are so excited to see you on stage. And it's just yeah. so neat for them to see you on stage, like like doing a show, that you can be pretty bad, but your friends and family are still totally into it, and they're so excited for you, and they'll, yeah. they'll even almost make up excuses for you. And then like with girls, you know, you know they get interested in you. Like like I said, sometimes they think you know you're more interesting because you're in a band, so you know they're coming up to you and they're saying nice things to you and all that. And like other bands, they might think you're terrible, but no one wants to be like confrontational. And everyone's thinking about booking more shows. So so I, there were many times where I saw bands that I thought were terrible. And as soon as I got off stage, I'd be like, hey, man, good set. Good job, man. And just lie to their faces. So it's like when you're in a band, every, the input that you get is that you're great nonstop. Nonstop, everyone tells you you're great. And everyone that doesn't think you're great, no one has the cojones to say it to your face. And that's where that musician ego comes from. And that's how like bad music gets written, and that's how bad albums get written, and uh, it's that's so easy to happen. Like when I was talking about with that last band, Voodoo Head, everyone around me was telling me how great it was and how great I was and everything and how good the band was, until I finally started like getting like to, you know, I started stumbling onto things, and, I, and when I finally heard us like on tape when we were recording the album, I'm like, hmm, yeah, we're not as good as I thought we were, so. It's very interesting. And so it's really hard to be objective with yourself in a band and kind of and kind of mm. be realistic about how good or bad you are because for lack of a better way of saying it, the way I think about it is when you're in a band, everyone sucks your dick. Figuratively. Mm. Figuratively. <laughs> um, so Sometimes literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. Um <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna leave that right there. <laughs> yep, just leave it right there. I could segue there, but I'm not going to. So, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's crazy times. All right, man. Well, Derek, I appreciate you uh, taking us down the journey from uh, the drum set as a little kid to uh, the the dissolving uh, of Voodoo Head and being able to finally make your uh, the album that you always wanted to make. So. Uh, Appreciate you taking the time, sir. It's awesome. All right, man. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Really did. Yeah. Well, good. Good, good, good. All right, man. I will talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later, man. Yep. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. We have no idea what we'll talk about next time, but I'm sure we'll have a good time doing it. Our email address is thecommutehome at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, drive safe, everybody.